Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So we, we love you guys. It's, a, it's our joy that you are here. It's our gift. And so just give another clap as life comes. Amen. Yeah. It is a good feeling to be home. Uh, there is no place like home. And uh, we uh, just came from Australia, New Zealand. So that was, that was a few days ago and uh, just kind of getting over the jet lag again. But uh, as I'm saying, just to, to be home, first of all, with my wife and to be home with mean, my daughters and then be home with our spiritual family. There's no place like home. And I can even, uh, just understanding that, even with God as a Father, God as a Son, and God as a Holy Spirit. It just even, uh, even as Blake was sharing, there's that one element when you're just seeing even the Father, Son, and Spirit in this total union. Uh, where they are loving and honoring and celebrate one another. And then to some degree they decide, let us make man in our image. Let's create a place that looks like we do, that love like we do, that honor like we honor. They want to create a place on earth that looked like heaven. And we know the whole story and we're not going to go back to that. But God is a family. He always wanted a family. And that's exactly, wow. And then there was... Eventually, as you started to see the highlight of God's creation, when he created somebody that looked like him, a son made in his image, and God breathes on him, and dust becomes alive. And the first thing that Adam ever sees is the face of a loving father. The first voice that Adam ever hears is the voice of a loving father. The first feeling Adam ever had is the perfect love of his father. And then he experienced just the presence of his father, and he gets to abide in the pleasure, in the very pleasure of his father. It was good, but then there was more. Say there was more. And in the next moment, and this is another kingdom principle, Adam is put at rest. Adam is sleeping because when we are resting, God is working. So when Adam is finding a place of rest and sleep, so don't underestimate rest and sleep. Because something is taking place when you are coming into this place of rest, God is working. It's called the hard work of rest. And I know that part of what the enemy is doing, and I think connected to what Blake said in regard to hope defer, is even if you recognize that most of the weapon of warfare in this season, it is actually a war against rest. And you can see it is rooted in restlessness. Because you're going to feel you have to do something. Because if you do something, then you will have something. Then you will become something. But it is the lie of the first restless person. He was an orphan. His name is Lucifer. And Lucifer was very restless. I want to be like the Most High. So you could sense this restlessness that I have to do something to have something to become something. And that was the very lie that was in the garden. The lie is if you eat from this, you're going to be like Papa. You're already made in his image. You already have an A+. Plus. That is before you take the exam. The starting point is an A+. Plus. 
The starting point is not pressure. The starting point is pleasure. But I want us to be aware of this warfare. And I'm just speaking a little bit as I warm up my voice to myself. <laughs> because in the next moment, you're getting a word. And that's what's happening. Is, as I'm saying, you're getting a word. You're entering into rest. And in the next moment, it seems like all these storms starts to take place. You're becoming impregnated with something, but you're not aware what it is. And you're having a word over your life. And now the enemy is very nervous because there is destiny there. And the area where the enemy is attacking you is actually where you have the greatest authority. And if you recognize that, you will consider it joy when these trials come against you because it leads to upgrades. So just back to this family thing. So, so when Adam has addressed and eventually to make the story short, God brought Eve to Adam. When he made Adam, it was good, but he made Eve, it was very good. It was that wow moment because it was a man with a womb man, womb, a man with a womb. That's a Norwegian way of saying it. So here, when, so here you have that whoa man, womb man. So when Adam, but here I want you to say when God brought Eve to Adam, who did she see before she saw Adam? She saw the face of a loving father. Which voice did she hear? She heard the voice of a loving father. Which love did she feel? It was the perfect love of her father. She experienced the presence of her father and she was placed in the pleasure of her father. And at that moment, God brought them together and then the father blessed them. And this is very important because it is the father's blessing that unlocks the destiny that is in sons and daughters. And he didn't bless them to do, he blessed them to be because it is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. You're not the human doing, you're a human being. Could I say that again? You're not the human doing, you're a human being. So the father blessed them when they came together, first a son and then a daughter, and he brought them together and then he gave them a blessing. Be fruitful. Be love, be joy, be peace. As I am, so are you. So he just released, you receive, then you become, then you release. Let me say it again. You just receive, then you become, then you release. Receive my love, become love, and release my love. Receive joy, then you become joyful. And then the joy, will, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Then suddenly out of the joy now, in the next moment, you start to change the environment because this environment has changed. But it comes from Him and it goes through Him and it goes back to Him. Let me say it again. It comes from Him, it goes through Him and it goes back to Him. And this is the beautiful rhythm of heaven. So here we have this beautiful picture. Be fruitful, be love, be joy, be fruitful. Then multiply what you become. And then what you can multiply, you will have dominion. Be love. And then we know the whole story and the whole fall. And I'm putting all of this together in just a very simple way. Because I do feel that the enemy in this season, he's trying to wear the saints out. And I often call it, it is the battle you fight after the battle you won. There's a battle you fight after the battle you won. And at the moment when you receive a seed, often when you have a prophecy, 90% of the time when you have a prophecy, it comes in a seed format. 
even when you have an impartation. So when you receive an impartation from someone and something, you become impregnated with something. But then you start the gestation period. And little baby, little push. Big baby, big push. And part of what I wanted to say just as an encouragement in this season, because this is part of where I'm at in this journey. We are doing this kingdom family gathering. And I know many of you are aware of it. And and you're welcome. But in the middle of that, it seems like all the opposite. God speaks all these words and all these opposites seems to happen. Have you been there? And sometimes what we do, and part of what I wanted to talk a little bit about today, is knowing the rhythm of heaven because we try to find balance. When often heaven is a rhythm. We're trying to hold this intention, and there is things you have to hold intention and do it intentional. But then sometimes you have to come into the rhythm. Learning when to lean back, because when you're leaning back, what you're beholding, you're becoming. Then you lean forward and you release. So when fear comes against you, it's an invitation for you to have an upgrade, to behold His love. Because perfect love now is about to cast out fear. And this is the rhythm of heaven, is learning when. Because some of us, we're just, we're trying to lean forward. And there is a time to press in and press through. And there is a time to, (laughs) the premature baby costs so much more to raise. So sometimes when we are not aware of where we're at in this process, individually or as a family, or with the promises that God has for you, He has a promised land for each one of us. A land of promises. But in the middle of that, there is giants. So even the Israelites, after the promised land was given, there were seven nations greater than them. And some of us, we are not aware that, that there is a battlefield. There is a fight that we have to do, but it has to come from a place of rest. And so what the enemy is trying to do is to overwhelm us instead of us being overwhelmed. I'm saying it again, the enemy, what he is trying to do in this season, he's trying to overwhelm us. And his biggest weapon, and that's what he's trying to do in this season, is to overwhelm us. And it's happening with us. My executive director who was with me in Australia, we were just coming home from Australia, and then we have to focus on everything that's going to take place as people from around the country and the world are coming to Atlanta. And we know all the words he has about the kingdom family gathering. But in the next moment, all these opposite is happening. The one side is let's, let's, uh, let's move away from this very thing now. Or to find a rhythm in what God is doing. So now I'm going in and I'm looking at where is it that the serpent has bitten us? Because Scotty was in the emergency room yesterday. He's been totally sick. He's actually at our home right now just recovering. And it seems like one attack is going on after the other. Then in the next moment, it is time for us to lean back. Because if you can recognize at that moment what the enemy is doing, then you can also recognize what he is nervous about. And the enemy is like a lion that is roaring to seek to whom he may devour. And the first thing he's trying to do is fatigue. Say fatigue. And after fatigue, he's trying to use fear. Say fear. Fear. And then after fear comes in, he's going to isolate you so that you feel you have failed. Say failure. And the next step he's bringing you in is forsaken. Say forsaken. And you can be here even this Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and you feel I'm the only one that is going through this. 
and he's trying to isolate you. And that's why it's so important for us to come together as a family. And in one moment when you're realizing that, wow, I'm getting so overwhelmed by the enemy, but I have somebody around and a testimony of somebody else. Because when your stock goes up, my goes up. So when I'm hearing this about the lungs and I'm hearing about that person, automatically something happens in the environment. And if you are struggling, I'm struggling because we are a family. If the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us. So I'm just saying that in this season, so even as you pray for us in regard to this kingdom family gathering, because there's these things in me in the natural, I would just be so overwhelmed because the enemy is trying to do all these things to distract. But when I'm seeing what Papa God is doing, and then I looked on my phone, and then I'm seeing these prophetic words coming in. And I'm like, Rick, I wonder, prophetic words is totally opposite to what we're experiencing. And that's good. So I choose not to see how big the God is or how big the enemy is. So I'm saying that as you are praying for us in this season. And I just was thinking about, I don't know if some of you know who Bishop Joseph Garlington is. The first time that I got in touch with Bishop Joseph Garlington, he is one of our speakers in about two weeks here at Riverstone. But Bishop Joseph Garlington, I came up to Atlanta from Columbus, Georgia with my father-in-law. And it was a big Promise Keepers event. I don't know if you were there. I mean, it was there. About 50,000 men in unity together. And the one that was leading worship was Bishop Joseph Garlington. And I still remember it did something to my spirit, even if I didn't understand the spirit realm. But something happened that connected. To make my story short, in 2001, there was also all these hindrances that wanted me to stop to come to an event. It's called Fresh Oil and New Wine. But I knew that everything is trying financially, practically, everything to keep me to get to this place. I realized God wanted me to be in this place. And Frida, who's married to Jack Taylor, and myself, and a guy named David, we drove all the way up to Chattanooga, Tennessee, from Columbus. And we went to this place, and the second speaker was Bishop Joseph Garlington. And there's over 2,000 people in this building, and some of you have not heard this part of my journey. But nobody in our stream in 2001 knew who I was. But I'm sitting underneath the balcony there. First, actually, I was walking up front because I thought, there's going to be a seat up front. But they chased us all the way in the back because I said, VIP only. And I was thinking, well, I'm a very important person. I'm a son. I'm a son of Papa God, don't you know? Have you not seen me the way Papa God sees me? I should write a book on humility. <laughs> I'm not going to mention which president I would like to do the foreword. <laughs> so here we are heading up there and I'm sitting underneath. And then first Charles Carn starts to say there's this Leif Hetland that has seen over half, half a million people saved in a Muslim world. That was the first message, an old man named Charles Carn. And then the next one is Bishop Joseph Galton and he stops up and he preaches a message. I'll never forget it. It's called Quantum Worship. And in this message, quantum worship, he talks about even perhaps the way Steve is standing here. If he realizing that his tears can produce rain in the Middle East. Or if you do not realize quantum worship, the way you're holding up your hands, you would hold it up a little bit longer if you knew what was happening over your family. So the quantum, the way you're worshiping here, how it is affecting the environments around us. Then the way we'll do it. So I'm sitting there, I'm blown away because I'm coming from a Baptist paradigm. 
I mean, this is kind of a cosmic way of thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my ha- head around a global way of thinking. I mean, this is, I'm starting to get overwhelmed here. And then he stops up and says, there is this leaf for Leif Hetland here. And I'm sitting all the way in the back thinking, you're supposed to pray for me and my wife, Barbara. When the meeting is over, the only one called for, it feels like over 2,000 people, and who is whom in Christianity is sitting up front? But all the way from the back, I'm coming all the way up, and in the front of everybody, they used to call Central Baptist Church. Now it's called Abba's House with Dr. Ron Phillips. So with all these people, in the next moment, the glory of God come. And I'm coming up to this African-American bishop, and this is when you have suit and ties, and Barbara was so dressed up with her hat. I'm coming close to them up front, and then the glory God hit. The rest is history, but it's also destiny. In that next moment, I'm laying on the top of the bishop, snorting and drooling on his suit. I remember when they were pulling me away from the bishop, and he kind of came up from the floor, and they took them out. And they said, we want you to prophesy over people. And that night, we stood there to about 2 o'clock in the morning, and Eventually ended up at Waffle House. And the reason I'm sharing all this story is <laughs> very important with the details here. And the next morning, more morning, it is kind of a late, and we are coming into this building. And they say, uh, So the same guy that had chased me in the back says, Come up here. And we get these VIP seatings. And, and it's like, So when I heard the word, your upgrade is confirmed. I was just thinking about the upgrade that was taking place. Two weeks later, I'm getting a call. Hello, this is Randy Clark. I'm in Brazil, and I just heard a story. Randy had prayed for me six years earlier. He didn't know anything about it. And I've never said anything, but now somebody said something. And he's in Brazil. I said, can you come and speak to this Voice of the Apostle Conference? And then from there, a few weeks later, I'm in Grace Center, and there, hey, could the evangelical church where you are speaking and this other place, there's this guy named Bill Johnson, and you could you join? And we bring the word and the spirit together. And then a few weeks later, the room that I'm staying in, there was so much paint that they closed it down, and they said, we, we have to move you to another place. And I was thinking, oh, no, that's a bad bed and breakfast. And it was a run-down place, but then this blonde-headed woman came in, and her name is Heidi Baker in Mozambique. We, I mean... And it just, something started to take place. Because when you don't need it, you can be entrusted with it. And there's something that God is doing in this season. And I'm saying that even in regard, because all these things came about when I saw our kingdom family gathering. I remember the Bishop Joseph Garlington story. But everyone that is coming, that there's this story thing. And then I'm getting these prophetic words. There's just so much connected. And I'm just encouraging you that we... We still have some room at the family table. One of the prophecies talks about, because there's going to be a mixture, and this is where I'm sensing, there's going to be a new fire. Say fire. And this is, a, this is the flames of love, the fire of love, where you will be a burning one. We sang, where you will burn brightly, but you're not burning out. Because you're burning oil of intimacy with your lover.
So with these deep wells of oil, and then you could see the fire touching that oil, and I saw. But the next thing was the fire, which now the wind that touched the fire. And there was these sparks of fire that was coming. And I knew that there's fireplaces God is preparing all over the place. We are looking for the fire. God is looking for a fireplace. So the wind then starts to spread and then fire started to break loose everywhere. But then it was the third thing was the wine. And those are the three major things that God is going to do that I know that is a new wine. One of them is going to give you the passion of God. The second of all is going to give you the power of God. But the third one is going to give you the pleasure of God. The wine is going to gladden your heart in this season so that you have the joy the pleasure, the enjoyment of Papa God in this season. As we're moving into the future, and I'm just going to kind of just go dive right into this, these verses. There's something that I'm learning as I'm looking into the book of Revelation. I've spent a lot of time just looking into the future because if you're looking in the natural right now, you can be overwhelmed by what the enemy is doing if you don't see what God is doing. Let me just remind you that the book of Revelation is not the revelation of Antichrist. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not bad news, it's actually good news. So when I'm looking into the future, it's going to look so bright that you're going to need sunglasses to look into it. But one of the things that I'm sensing in this season, God started to speak to me, is about this very thing about rhythm. And this is just family talk. I just feel that there's a couple of tools that he's going to give us. But he started to describe to me about the lamb and the lion. Jesus was a lion that became a lamb so that we can be lambs that can become lions. But sometimes we do not know the difference. We're trying to operate and learn the authority of the lion without first getting the identity of the lamb. And there is another lion out there in this season that is roaring and there is a war going on and he is not nervous about the best roar that we can do. But suddenly when he meets this lamb, because even before the foundation of the wall, there was this lamb that was slain. But you were also there in the beginning with him before there was anything. There was a father, son, spirit. And Ephesians 1.4 said that you were there and he knew you and you were predestined in love. I want you to capture this because there's something each one of you are there with him beginning. And he says, I knew you before the foundation of the world. And I predestined you. I predetermined you. Part of your destiny. You were there in love. You were there with him in the beginning. So you actually started out in glory. The starting point is glory. And if you're going to go from glory to glory, you have to find your starting place. And that is when we are coming into agreement, when we have atonement, atonement with what he says about us. There's a lot of things that is true, but it's not the truth. And it is the truth that sets you free. And the truth is when you are coming into agreement and you see you the way Papa God sees you. But here's what I started to see as I started to look into the book of Revelation. When I'm looking at the very nature of Jesus from Matthew 1.1. Matthew 1.1 says, this is the genealogy of Jesus. Say Jesus. The son of, say the son of. The son of Abraham, say Abraham. And then the son of David, say David. 
So if you are tracing the roots, you find the roots of Jesus. That's why they call him actually. I mean, he's the root of David. There's a seed that comes from David into his life. But it is also coming in from Abraham into his life when he is birthed. So this is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David. That's why they could call Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's something there. But if you're looking at the nature, who is the son of Abraham? Isaac, it is the lamb. Who is the son of David? You see Solomon. You see two different nature. You're seeing with Jesus if you walk with Jesus. And it is also the Christ in you. And that's what we're going to get to. Because the very secret for the future and even the warfare that we have with the future, the very foundation of what we have to have in the future. Actually, the Bible says, we're going to look at the scripture verse. In the future, even in the new Jerusalem, there's not going to be a sun or moon any longer. The Bible actually says there is this lamb that is going to lit up the whole place. I'm going to give you the verse. It just blows my paradigm. See, imagine just you tapping into that lamb's nature. And what is it about this lamb? What is it about the power of the lamb? What is it about the lamb in you and the power of the lamb in you? And how that lamb in you, the Christ in you, the lamb's nature, how that is wearing the enemy out. What is the dragon? The enemy is actually very much of afraid of the lamb. And when that lamb has become you, and then the lion comes out, and when you roar, people will gather, not scatter. Should we look at a couple of scripture verses to make this legal? <laughs> this is going to be a challenge for me, but I'm going to be focused and I'm going to be practical. Before you can be a lion, you have to become a lamb. Before you can become a lion, you have to become a lamb. The revelation is rested in the lamb's nature. It's like when John the Baptist, behold the lamb of God. When he saw him, he saw a lamb. But here's where I want us just to read in Revelation chapter 5. I just want us to capture this and we're going to look at a couple of scripture verses. And then let me give you the practical application how this is going to look for you and I with the very thing that I believe that Blake so beautifully described in regard to the hope defer. Because in a matter of a moment when there's warfare, you go lower and slower. You go underneath the radar and you find the Lamb's nature. And there's a place there where the enemy cannot go. Because Lucifer is restless and you find a resting place in the Lamb. And that becomes your weapon of warfare. And you're literally wearing the enemy out. Finding the very identity of that lamb. That's the Christ that is in you. That is the hope of glory around you. There's something about that lamb that is capturing me. The eyes of the lamb. Andy, the leader of Bethel, New Zealand. We were there last week in the whole place. Pretty much the nation. That it's just Something has changed in that nation. Last year we saw, we gave him a, two years ago we gave him a seed. Last year we saw a tree. This year we see a forest all over the nation. And New Zealand was just nominated the best place in the world to live. Norway used to be. So Norway got a second place. <laughs> but New Zealand is known for lambs. They eat lambs. <laughs> and they have the best lamb. But here I want you to see. Now John, remember this is the revelation of Jesus. This is the revelation of Jesus. Open the curtain. Let me show you Jesus and the things to come. This is a very exciting journey when you, keep, when you see the Lamb. And I want you to capture this. 
In the book of Revelation, Jesus is 25 times the lamb and only one time the lion of the tribe of Judah. So don't underestimate if the Jesus, the conqueror, the overcomer, the one that is, he won over the enemy, but the one that is started well is finishing well. If 25 times it is from the Lamb's nature, it could be important for us to capture that part of us. So we don't fight the wrong fights. And with the wrong nature. Because one of those nature, the nature of the Lamb is the very thing that you're going to see. That the roaring lion of the enemy is nervous about. So let's just look and start. I'm going to read some verses. Revelation 5. And I saw... In the right hand of him who sit on the throne, a scroll written inside on the back, sealed with the seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel. His was proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open up the scroll and to become its seal? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open up the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, I wept much. This is John weeping as he has this encounter. Because no one was found worthy to open and read a scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Say lion. lion. The root of David. Say the root of David. He has prevailed and he has opened the scroll to lose its seven seals. So I want you to see here, so now you've, I wish we had a visual to say so you can see suddenly now he see this incredible lion, which is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Who is that? It's Jesus. So he's looking there and he's looking and then he sees this lion. But then as he continued to look, you look a little more at that lion. You start to study the lion and then you start to see. And then I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Say stood a lamb. As though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which have seven spirits of God, and sent out into the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And then eventually goes on, worthy, worthy, worthy. This lamb that was slain. And then this whole thing that starts. And let me just continue with a couple of other scripture verses. Revelation 7.10. Salvation belongs to a God who sits on the throne and the lamb. So... God is sitting on the throne and uh, why is this important for you and I? Because in us, there is this Christ that is in you, that is the hope of glory around you. He is a lamb and he is a lion. He is a lion and he is a lamb. And part of what I'm saying, it is not to divorce those things and trying to figure out. I'm saying find a rhythm of when to be a lamb and when to be a lion. Because he's 100% lamb and he's 100% lion. But what I am saying is let's develop the lamb's nature in the middle of it because, whoa, the authority comes from the identity. And you have authority over what you love. And in a moment when you see what's going on, including if I'm watching on the news and getting overwhelmed, I'm leaning right back into the lamb's nature. And what happens in a lamb's nature is you're getting this ministry of reconciliation. You suddenly now starts to, wow, you're feeling what he feels. You think the way he thinks. You're capturing what he is capturing. 
And the next moment you are stepping into the equation because now when you have his heart and his heartbeat about something, something takes place and you're about to become an environment changer. Because now you're not going against people. You're going against the enemy that is binding people. Because you have captured a love and perfect love casts out fear. And when there's this fearless, then you can start to operate. And when you roar at this very moment, there's an environment change. So when you speak here, you're not talking about the giant. You're talking to the giant. There's something about the lamb's nature. And I learned this also. We were in Bangkok. And again, it was one of those lessons where I was together with two of our friends, David Hogan and Mel Tari. And again, we had been praying for people. We saw a lot of breakthrough. And there was a moment you were an eagle, meaning you changed the environment. Jesus is both a priest and a king, and he is a prophet. So there is a moment where you're learning how to be a lamb and then a lion. But in the next moment, you just let the wind take you up above the storm clouds. And you let that environment. So there was an operating thing, but there's sometimes... As he's teaching me in a moment what I'm doing, this lady that had a 12-year-old boy with severe autism. This boy was brought before us over and over for two days. We start to get irritated because it would be like in the service. If you're trying to listen to either the worship or sing, this boy is, ah, and he screams and he hits all through the meeting. And we are in a leadership gathering. And so I'm starting to sense even a little bit of that irritation in me. It's like... But then the father just reminded me about the lamb. He says, Leif, how does it feel? So it's just now you're capturing his heart. How does it feel for this mama? She's been prayed for by everyone. She's been in this line. She's standing there. She's been standing. Her arms are so tight holding a 12-year-old boy that is hitting her. He's not able to look into her eyes. This mama then goes to bed. I mean, this is night and day. There's this torment going on. But also even this boy that cannot connect to his mama. Severe autism. And eventually when I captured the lamb's heart and I started to feel what he did, I just sat down to the stage and we have all these leaders in Thailand. They fill up in the front. They're going to have impartation. And we are supposed to pray for everyone, but I couldn't. I needed prayer. Let me just feel what you feel. And I got so broken by the lamb and this mama had brought him up and person after person, we have eagles and lions with authority. The word says anointing. And there is room for that. But I realized I just sat down there and just captured a lamb. And I was just weeping with a lamb. I could feel this is one of daddy's girl. And I have some daughters. This is some of his kids. And the enemy has messed with wrong kids. And I start to feel. And something starts to take place. As my life. I'm just full of compassion. So instead of being irritated, I just feel this full of love. And then this boy starts to fight himself in front of everybody. And we have pictures. He fight himself through the crowds. And he climbed up on the stage. Put his legs around me, 12-year-old. And he sits like that. Put his legs around me. And he first, he scream a little bit and hit a little bit. But he gets more and more quiet. And for the next hour and a half, he starts to sit. Then eventually he starts to look me in the face and do like this. And the audience starts to watch. But when he looks, he sees a lamb. And something starts to happen with the very identity of who he was before the foundation of the wall. Because there was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the wall. And there was somebody that he was predestined in love that he was before. There was an enemy who came to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And I'm just sitting there. But what I didn't realize was his whole nature was changing. And he sat there. And the people were watching. And he sat. And for the whole service, the whole evening, the whole time. I didn't pray for one person. I just sat there the whole time. But the biggest thing for me that touched me, and this is just part of me being a student of the Lamb. Something was taking place that night. This boy got his voice back. And he started to speak for the first time in his life, looking at his mama, mama, looking in the face. In Minnesota, afterwards, we had a doctor that came, wrote us a very nice check for her ministry because he brought two of his children with severe autism because he heard a testimony. And things just started to happen. I am not talking about because there's times when you see me up on the stage there in front of 80,000 Muslims on a stadium, you see the lion. But I make sure you didn't know that three hours before you have just been with a lamb. You've just been there feeling what he feels. What is actually happening that the very love that he has for Ishmael has captured your heart to such a degree that when I'm looking at the Teresol, I don't see the Teresol, I see the Apostle Paul. You don't see people based upon their history, but their destiny. Something has taken place because you only have authority over what you love. And this is what I'm trying to just say to here as part of this rhythm. A couple of more verses here and it's like, oh, are you okay? Yeah. Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb who's in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tears from their eyes. Again, I want you to see the lamb. And you say, that's Jesus. I want you to not separate who the Jesus in you is in the future. From the Jesus who he is. It is the fullness. Christ that is in. He said as the father sent me. Now I send you. To represent the lamb and the lion. And the lion and the lamb. So I want us to capture. This is where my heartbeat is. I, I, I love studying Jesus. This has been my journey. Go through the whole life of Jesus. To see when he was a lamb. When he was a lion. And how he operated in a total rhythm of heaven. All I do is what I see my father do. And what I say is what I hear my father say. But totally having the heartbeat of his father. There was a rhythm and it was a rhythm of rest. A couple of more verses. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Say by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives until death. What I like about this is. How you overcome it. It was by the blood of the lamb. This is the lay down lover. I was just with my friend Heidi Baker. And some of the people from our church was with us. And the thing I love the most about Heidi. Is the way that she knows how to be a lamb. And when you spend time with Heidi Baker. You start to find that lamb. And whoa. And I thought I had problems. Because I only had 100 major crises in a day. And when you're on Heidi. She have a thousand crises. But when you see her in the middle of a thousand crises, you can see her in the middle of the storm finding this place and this very place where she finds her security and that's in the very Lamb's nature. That's the resting place. That's the place when you suddenly in the next moment you can speak to the storm that is around you because there's no storm on the inside and you find that in the heart of the Lamb. Oh, there's something beautiful about this Lamb. That's why I said Andy from Bethel, New Zealand. He felt all night that the lamb was just licking him on the face. 
I hope that could be somebody's importation today. <laughs> Some of we just need a couple of licks of the lamb. Then I saw another beast, Revelation 13, coming out of the earth, and he had two horns. So we see all these different diagnoses. But if you, don't, if you miss the lamb, you miss the good news. Because over and over again, you see the lamb. But then, he was like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. And so now they're talking about the wrong one. But then they sang a new song, the servant of God and the song of the lamb, saying, great and marvelous are your works. And this just goes on. It is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The wedding that we have is a Lamb. And can I just challenge us on a little thought? I believe one of the biggest weaknesses that some of us have in this season is that we are trying to go on a date with Jesus while He is standing with a wedding band. I believe that many of us, we are coming there. We're trying to fix and make ourselves ready. No, I am married. I am one with Him. I'm not talking about there is not going to be a marriage, but I am married. There is going to be this big thing represented from every nation, tongue, tribe, language. But I want you to understand that some of us, we wake up with a robe without getting the ring. And then you're not going to walk in peace with the shoes. And not experiencing the party, the joy. So don't stop just being justified by faith. There's also a ring, the spirit of adoption, the signature ring, where you get to represent Papa. And where you are at one moment with him. So every morning when you wake up, look and make sure you put on the robe so that you can see you the way he sees you. But the next thing you do every morning when you wake up, make sure you put on the ring. It is covenant. It's not about convenient relationship or contractual relationship. To coming in and saying, I want intimacy with you without having marriage. And the lamb in you, heaven is very attracted to it. And part of what I want us, I have to land this. We are, I'm going to let the minister, can we, one more verse. I'll just give you one more verse and then I'll land this. Revelation 21, 23, there's all these verses. The city had no need for sun or the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated the Lamb is its light. The Lamb in you arise and shine for your light has come. There's a Lamb in you that is going to be the light around you. And if that Lamb is keeping light, that gives both warmth because God is light and God is love. And when you're burning oil of intimacy, you will shine. Where do you find that? You find the safety. You find your identity in the Lamb. I want you to know there is forgiveness in the Lamb. There's healing in the Lamb. Jesus took your sin so that now you are righteous. Look at the Lamb. But Jesus also took your shame. Look at the Lamb. You are now glorified. Thank you, Lamb. If you look at the Lamb and look a little bit further, He took your poverty and everything else so you could share in His abundance. It's included in the price of the lamb. You're looking at the lamb and you look a little bit further. You start actually to see it took all of your fear so you could experiencing his perfect love. The lamb felt like an orphan so that you and I could be restored as sons and daughters. We can look at the divine exchanges that took place on the cross. Do not just settle 
that you have enough of it to get to heaven. But making sure that you have enough of the Lamb that every single day there's a place you can have as a starting place. In the middle of this storm, it maybe looks small, but small is the new big in the kingdom. This is your place of safety. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can we just stand to our feet? Wow. I'm going to give this over to Justin in a second, but I sensing I want to just impart. It's part of my journey. It's the secret to what's happening in the Muslim world. It's the lamb. The lamb overwhelms you, so nothing else can overwhelm you. The lamb brings you into a place when you look at your Goliath, the giant that you face. And you're realizing this is not an obstacle. This is an invitation for my upgrade in glory. Just look at the Lamb. Father, I just release any needs in this room. And as the ministry team comes up and just, oh, I don't know if, if it is. Uh, but as, as the ministry team, but I do sensing right now that there is a divine exchange taking place. But I know many of you, you've been trying to lean forward. I'm sensing he is inviting you to lean back. So just as the ministry team forward, you're just sensing, I just, one look from the lamb changes everything. Just finding the resting place with a lamb. He makes me lie down in green pasture. <laughs> That's a very safe place for you to find rest. So I'm just asking at this very moment on some of us, I know we are tired. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. So I'm inviting our family, even in this season, to receive the lamb so that you can become a lion. To honor the lamb so that the lion, when it comes from your life, the sheep will feel safe when it comes from the lamb's nature and your roar. People will gather and the enemy will scatter. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be made well. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hevenu shalom alachem. There shall be peace, peace, says the Lord. So find that resting place. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.